be here and, and, and be in this pastorate. Lord, I just pray that you would um, guide, lead, and direct in the services tonight. Uh, Lord, it's, uh, it's been a good day, um, and we just praise you and give you all the honor and glory. In Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. Um, the governor came in town. He was up in Crestview today, so I was up there, and um, he, um, he is... Just phenomenal. You know we're going to have a $20 billion surplus in the state of Florida? $20 billion. He says, listen, even if the economy goes down, we'll just move it from here to there, here to there, and, you know, we're good. Florida is good. And that's, you know, that's a testimony to the people, the governor, but the people that work with him, too. Some fine, fine Christian people. Yeah, and um, and and he just he just he 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 just falls on the right side each time that I've seen. So praise the Lord for that. I was uh, really enthused. They talked about bringing in about uh, three million. You'll hear it about a project up in uh, Crestview. Um, it's a industrial complex, and he did the announcement on that today. And it it's uh, it's it's live. I mean, it's uh, recorded, so you can watch it if you want to. But just really good things going on. Uh, pretty exciting. I think they said something like 4,000 jobs. Good thing is they'll be in Crestview. So hopefully people down here won't drive to work in Crestview like they come down from Crestview to work down here. So anyway, go to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, we stopped around verse 28. We'll start again in 28. And um, I, I entitled the message, and start. it was verse 33 that gave it, Great grace gives great power. And you could say great power gives great grace. You know, the people that are powerless have no grace. And the people that are um, manipulative have no grace. The one thing, my life verses, 1 Corinthians 15.10, by the grace of God I am what I am, and His grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, but yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Grace, grace, grace. And I really didn't at the time necessarily understand how important that verse was for my, my life. But he said, I labored more abundantly. Then he says, yet not I, but the grace of God. That grace, that great grace there in verse 33 That gave them great power. So go back to verse 28. He says, For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. Talking about the the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God that's spoken of in Acts 2.23. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak the word by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. And again, that's in verse 27 too, that holy child, Jesus. But when you're looking at this and it talks about the foreknowledge of God, the determinate counsel, um, in Luke 17, I, I think I need you to turn over there, And look at this verse, Luke chapter 17, about personal responsibility. In Luke 17, 1, the Bible says this, Then said he unto the disciples, It is impossible that offenses will come. In other words, things are going to happen. People will offend. But woe unto him through whom they come. Judas Iscariot. 
offenses will come. Somebody's going to betray the Lord. He's going to go to the cross. Uh, He's going to be betrayed. But woe be to him. How do you do the woe? Well, only if they have a choice to do it. It's personal responsibility. You only have personal responsibility if you have control over that decision. If you have an ability and a wherewithal to decide you're not going to go that direction. And that's what that personal responsibility is there. Um, When you look at the boldness there in verse 29, it it talks about boldness time and time again. It talks about it in verse 31. Uh, We went over this in in verse 13. It talked about boldness in in, uh, this chapter. Uh, It talks about boldness to witness, boldness to draw nigh to God, boldness in the day of judgment. You better have boldness in the day of judgment. And you think, well, I'm going to stand there like a, a squirrel. You know, I'm just so afraid. Well, why don't you just do right and live right? See, if we do right and live right, we don't have to be concerned about the judgment seat of Christ. He says, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Are you persuaded? If you're persuaded to do right, persuaded to live right, then you don't have to be concerned about that judgment. You can have boldness in the day of judgment. And that's over there in in 1 John 4, verse 17. So, back to that boldness there in verse 29. He said, Grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak the word. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2. We need to, when you look at the example of Jesus, it, it, it's pretty remarkable. Um, 1 Peter chapter 2, look at verse 21. The Bible says, For even hereunto were we called. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in His steps. Now, remember oh, remember the feet washing we talked about and it was an example? Well, if you're going to follow in His steps, you're going to be crucified like Him. No, that's not what it's talking about. He, he's saying as an example of suffering, not an example like if he washed feet, you have to wash feet. If he went to the cross, you have to go to the cross. That, that's, not, that's not the point. But he gave us an example that we'd follow his steps. Verse 22, Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. That's who he is. That's what he did. So going back to chapter 4 of Acts, that's the example that we have, uh, sort of like take it. One of the things we have a problem with is when somebody does us wrong and we're right, we think that we can respond any way that we want. And that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches, why don't you suffer yourselves to be defrauded? Why do you not rather take wrong? In other words, just because you're right doesn't mean that you don't have to any longer live like a Christian. Suffer yourselves to be defrauded. Allow yourself to be defrauded. Now, again, there's a point where it stops. As much as lieth in thee, you live peaceably with all men. If it be possible is the beginning of the verse. If it be possible. So there comes a point when you can no longer live peaceably with some people. There are some people that are put on this earth for the sole purpose of disrupting other people's lives. When I say put on this earth, they choose that. They choose to be arrogant. 
They choose to, to, to act like an imbecile. They choose to uh, be hateful with no charity, no love. And, and, and some of them do it in the name of Christ. What a shameful thing. I tell you, I would hate to attach the name of Christ to me and then live like the devil. One of the things that kept me out of more trouble, I believe, is when, when I would go into a job, I would let everybody know I'm a Christian. Now, I can't just let my hair down. Not that I can do that anyway. I, I can't just let things go. I mean, I can't just decide that I'm not going to live right or do right because people are watching me. Look at verse 30 again. He says, by, so in boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal. This is, the, this is the program right there. Remember those apostles had the gift of healing. And that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. So they have these, these signs and wonders because the Jews require a sign. Tongues are for a sign. So the tongues were given for the Jews during the first century, and then as each region uh, got the word, completed Word of God, uh, then that's it. There were no more signs and wonders done in there. He said, he said Trophimus, if I left it, my lead him sick. Timothy, drink a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine often infirmities. Paul prayed three times for the uh, thorn in the flesh to leave him, and it didn't leave him. Why not? Because those signs were given for a reason. They were to testify of the glory of God. Paul was told, in weakness, you're strong. My grace is sufficient. And when he learned that truth that God's grace was sufficient, boy, he was like, hey, I want that grace. I want that grace. I want that strength. I am imperfect. I am weak. You are strong. But when I'm weak, then you're strong. And that's what he tells us. Go on to verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the Word of God with what? With boldness. Boldness. It didn't say they spoke in tongues. It said they spoke the Word of God with boldness. It's in a house of prayer. Um, verse 32. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul, neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. All things common. That was the plan at that time. It was by choice. This was not a forced thing. Uh, this was not something that was required. In fact, when Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5 lie about how much they sold the property for, the point was made to them. Was it not yours, the land? When you sold it, was it not yours? What led you to lie to the Holy Ghost? She drops dead. He comes in later on, doesn't know how, what happens. Why? He drops dead. Why? Because he was asked, did you sell it for this much? Yeah, that much. Boom, he's dead. It wasn't that, you know, you're going to drop dead if you, if you uh, don't sell it. It is a choice that they made. So that's important to understand. This is the only time in the Bible where you have this type of economy. But look at it. They're all with one accord. They're all, um, they didn't say that anything was their own that they possessed. 
Verse 33, and with great power gave the apostles witness. Now, what are they doing? They're witnessing. Remember the replacement for Judas Iscariot? He was to be a witness of the resurrection. That is so misunderstood by so many people. They go, oh, well, Paul saw Jesus and therefore he qualified to be an apostle because he, he witnessed Jesus alive, therefore he witnessed the resurrection. That has nothing to do with it. He, has, he, is, he was ordained to be a witness. Ordained to be a witness means that, they, that he became a witness to talk to people about the resurrection. Here it is very clearly here. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection. When they gave what? Their words, their, their, their actions, they gave witness of the resurrection. Maybe people looked at them and they went, man, these guys are unlearned and ignorant. Boy, they're given witness of the resurrection. Why? Because the resurrection is what changed them. They weren't changed at the cross. Really. They were, I go efficient. After the cross, I go efficient. What changed them? The resurrection and the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost came in and lived in them. See, until they got the Holy Ghost, the comforter that Jesus said, you can't have until I leave, and they're all sad, and He's saying, no, no, it's going to be better. You're, going to, you're not going to have me for three and a half years. You're going to have me until the day that you're, you, you die. When your body's redeemed, you'll be, you'll be sealed until that day. Boy, glory, hallelujah. I'm glad I have that. I, I have never fretted my salvation one day in my life. Now, that's because I got saved when I was 20 and God pulled me out of the muck and the mire of Okaloosa Island. Of just life itself. I mean, when He pulled me out, I changed. Everything changed about me. I got a new heart, new life, new, new direction. Now, I lost, you know, I, I got away from Him after a short period of time. But that change happened. And then I started going back into the ways of the world for a little bit. And now I look back and I go, well, I understand now because I'd be a Pharisee. I do not judge people that fail on God the way that I would judge them if I hadn't also myself failed. Not just failed. I mean floundered, flopped. And some people, it's so funny, you go to North Carolina and they're real, you know, man, if you don't live it, you ain't got it type thing. I agree with that in concept. But a Christian can end up doing anything that a lost person can do. What do you do with that? Oh man, I, I look at them right there. They're lost. Why? Because they did that. That's not proof. We judge by the outward appearance. Oh, they're lost because they have long hair as a man. They're lost because some guy wears an earring. That's so dumb. And yet there are, there are people. I, I remember I, t- I told that story up in North Carolina. One of the preacher comes up and he says, man, don't tell that during my camp meeting. They'll think you're lost. That I, did, that I got away from God for three years. I thought, no wonder people are confused. No wonder. Do you know what you have? You got an old man. You know what I got? I got an old man. I can choose the old man. I can choose the new man. I can follow the new man into righteousness. I can go back to the ways of the world. And guess what? When you go out there and you get, you get in that world, 
you'll see God will give you a way to escape and a way to escape and a way to escape and you reject it, you reject it, you reject it until one day you go, this is going nowhere. I'm going to take that way to escape. And man, when he got me right on August 8th, 1984, but again, if I was up in North Carolina preaching that right there, they'd say, oh no, you weren't weren't saved till, till 1984. Well, I slipped up this week too. I thought a bad thought. I sinned this week. I don't remember any, but... <laughs> and don't ask. But I mean, can, I mean that's, why people, that's why people stay babies all their life. Because they, and that's why they retread, retread, retread. Man, you can, get, you can have 100 people at the altar every week. All you've got to do is tell them they're all lost. Because they didn't live it. Now look, I get it. They're, they mean well, some of them. Well, if we don't keep them under our thumb... They're not going to live right. No, what they're going to do is live right while you're looking. And then they're going to be hip, hypocrites beyond comprehension because they're going, to, they're going to act one way in church and another way outside. I don't mean just slightly. I mean in a big way. And that's where you get in trouble. Going back to verse 33, look at what he says. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus... And great grace was upon them all. Man, I like that. Great grace. If you look in, in, uh, in the book of Acts, uh, it talks about great power right here. In, in uh, chapter 5, verse 5, and also in verse 11, it talks about great fear. In chapter 6, verse 7, talks about a great company. In chapter 6, verse 8, talks about great wonders and miracles. Chapter 8, verse 1, talks about a great persecution. Chapter 8, verse 2, talks about great lamentation. 8, 8, talks about great joy. And then 9, verse 16, talks about great suffering. It's a, cha- it's a, it's a book of greats. I like this one right here. You had great power, great grace in one verse. Verse 34, Neither was there any among them that lacked. Why? They had all things common. For as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. They were willing to give all for God's glory and the need of others. Listen, it's it's good to take care of other people. It's good to be concerned about other people. It is good to do those things. Verse 36, And Joseph, who by the apostles was was surnamed Barnabas, so who gave his name? The apostles gave him the name Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So he had some land. He sold it, brought the money in, and he laid it at the apostles' feet. Listen, I, you know, this is what they did then. And, and, and listen, we're supposed to give, but I, I don't want you to... There are people that will take passages like this and go, See, if you sell something, you've got to give it all to God. That's wicked. That's wicked to do that. Because that is not the context. Unless you're... Okay, so we're going to do that in this church. Alright? You sell anything, you've got to give it all in. And, and, and by the way, I've got to do the same thing. And, and, 
and, and you want to borrow my truck? I, I, well, it's not mine. It's all in common. That's why you can't do that. Because people twist the Scripture. David Koresh, over there in, in Texas, that's what he did. They had a commune. All things common. And you know what you end up with? You end up with a cult. You end up with a leader that puts himself above the Word of God. Because once he starts twisting this Scripture to try to force people to do that which God is not leading them to do, then you're in trouble. I don't want to be guilty of that. I don't want to be guilty of that. No, no way, shape, or form. So, looking at Barnabas in, in closing, we'll look at him. I'm not going to go into chapter 5. Um, look at Hebrews chapter 6. Verse 10. Hebrews 6. Verse 10. Says, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. Boy, look at that verse. You ought, to, you ought to memorize that. God is not unrighteous to forget your work, labor of love, which ye have showed toward, in His name. We do everything in the name of Jesus. In that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. We need to minister to one another. And we do. Thank God for that. Thank God for, for, for people that are willing to be ministers and to give of themselves. So very important to do. That's who Barnabas was. Look at, uh, so what does it say? He is the, he is, he's the son of consolation. Remember that over there in, in uh, Acts chapter uh, 4, verse 36? So let's look, at, let's look at four things about Barnabas, and we'll be finished. Look at chapter 9 of Acts. Chapter 9. Look at um, verse 26. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples. This is Paul. His name is still Saul. <clears throat> but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. Wouldn't that be rough? But Barnabas, he's the consoler, took him and brought him to the apostles. That's Peter and James, the others and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way, and that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. You know what, what he did right there? Uh, Barnabas consoled Paul, or Saul in this case. Look at chapter 15. Chapter 15, Barnabas again. You have a situation where... Um, Barnabas and Paul have a division. Uh, Barnabas wants to take John Mark, but he left the ministry. So look at what Barnabas does with, um, with him in verse 36, Acts 15, 36. And some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname it was Mark, so it's John Mark, 
Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. So he said, look, he, he departed. I don't want to give another chance. That's one of the greatest Christians in the world. What did he do? He, he just wrote them off. Can, a, can, the great, can one of the greatest Christians that ever lived do wrong? He, he, listen, he makes mistakes. And the contention, verse 39, was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed into Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren of the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. Man, that's, that's, that's pretty rough. But then, if you, um, if you look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11, the Bible says, Mark is profitable unto me. That's what Paul wrote. He said, hey, send Mark. He's profitable unto me. Why was he profitable? Not because of Paul, but because of Barnabas. Barnabas consoled Mark, John Mark, and he was, being, he was, he was the one used to keep John Mark in the ministry. Look at chapter 11. Chapter 11, verse 22. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church which were in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came and had seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them all that with one purpose of heart they should cleave unto the Lord. For he, this is Barnabas, was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost, and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord, then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. So man, there he is. Man, he's, he's, he's a good man. He's full of faith. And then chapter 14, 14 is the last one I want you to look at. <coughs> shows that he is an apostle. Chapter 14, 14, which when the apostles, the apostles, plural, Barnabas and Paul, heard of it, they rent their clothes. So he was an apostle also. He's the son of consolation. I, I used to preach a message, the most important man in the Bible. And it wasn't Paul, apart from Jesus. It was Barnabas. Why? Because Barnabas went and found Paul. They sent him back to his hometown. They didn't believe. He's the one that brought him to the apostles. I mean, think about it. You say, oh, well, Paul would have still written all that Scripture. How do we know? Paul would have still been used to God the way they were. How do you know? How do you know that your influence isn't going to make the biggest difference in somebody's life? I've seen it. I've seen where people influence other people. And it's a great thing. Let's all stand together. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for many blessings. We just ask that you guide, lead, and direct in our lives. Lord, help us to take this lesson from tonight. Use it to your honor, your glory. And Lord, we would be faithful servants of thee. In Jesus' name and for sake, amen. Go ahead.